All right, welcome back. We're about to get into part two with Carlos Rosario Gonzalez. If you've not heard part one, go back and get it. Get all that good context and then come back in here. All right, let's go. The physical one, of course, of like going from 60, 60 pounds heavier to 60 pounds lighter, but also just feeling like there's a weight off your shoulder emotionally where you can now be free to say how you really feel without feeling bad about it or without the, how would you say it, the expectation of something happening whether good or bad once you let go of what you think so it's supposed to happen or what you hope happens and you just be i feel that was the transformative experience what is machismo how would you, what does machismo mean to you well it has a very uh <laughs> very deep-rooted meaning in in latin culture it's literally uh, where the man is the judge, jury, and executioner in, in everything. So women don't, don't have a say in whatever the subject of the conversation or the subject matter is. So, and I don't believe that. Like, so machismo is not good. <laughs> it's, not, it's not good. And it, it, it never was. Did your, did, I take it in your family, I mean, your parents are from DR. You moved here when you were nine that wasn't the case. Like your dad didn't treat your mom that way. Exactly. And, and that's uncommon in, in a, in a Dominican family. And I, I really appreciate that. Like my dad is my hero. So is my mom, but he has taught me just everything, how to be, how to compose myself, how, how to just treat other people. And just seeing that through him, I understood that though Dominican Republic is a place where like many other places there's things that are not good uh there's still people that are actively trying to to be different and i see that in him every day so definitely uh he's not an example of machismo <laughs> you guys ever talk about it yeah yes yes we have actually and and it's a thing that we talk about too because now that we we've lived here for over 15 years if my math is correct, uh, we see how the culture is so different and has changed so much since 2005. Because now we see the Dominican Republic from the outside lens. We see the culture from a different perspective, as opposed to being in it and just being with the people. So we do talk about it. And one of the things that we agree upon is that over there, it's, it's hard for things to change. And it takes you stepping out of that environment and seeing it from the outside to actually see that, oh, maybe I was doing something wrong. And he even told me himself, like, well, he, when he was there, there's things that if he hadn't seen that from that perspective, leaving the country and then having that realization, there's things that he did that he didn't like and he changed. So we definitely talk about it and there's and there's things that over there. It just takes that to actually make a difference. So <laughs> you kind of got into what I was just thinking. 
as you were getting ready to say that, like a lot of the things you're mentioning, I, I see as issues here in the States. It seems like matters of scale, but then I'm curious. So living here now, 15 years or what, you know, that's the math living here 15 years. How do you look at, how do you see the, how do you see the U S on the, on issues of machismo or patriarchy or male dominance and, or other issues as compared to the DR? Well, it's definitely better. That's for sure. But I feel it's, it's better. And then, and it's continually getting better. Of course, we've seen things transpire uh, through the news. But I think here, we're definitely on the right step t- towards change. Because change happens fast. It may not seem like it, like it, it's happening fast here. But I feel like it is. As opposed to over there, it takes a long time. It takes a long time for things to change. Especially culture. Especially, especially when that culture is rooted in machismo. That is... I don't know what I expected. But that's a little... It's kind of helpful, like for resetting, I don't know, expect my, my, my expectations of my expectations and my perspective on just where we are, because this is what I know. I mean, I've traveled, but this is, this is what I've grown up in. So I I can, I can pick out the flaws (laughs) and, and say it's, it's such an interesting um, aspect and perspective regarding the length of time and how things do change fast in the United States because we're such a, we're always influenced by new cultures, new things. So it almost inherently, which I think this is the MAGA divide, means that we as a country don't really have a common culture right? That common culture used to be a thing because it was dominated by one, but now as more and more people come up and there are still, uh, there's still a lot of issues, but it happens fast compared to like the DR. There's no outside influence, right? Like it's not a melting pot as one might call the United States. So people aren't necessarily immigrating there in mass. So you don't get a lot of external cultural influences that force that change. And it becomes this thing. And it is, I think it is a good perspective. It is a good reminder. It's not happening fast enough, but it's still happening faster than probably most cultures would shift. When you consider what's happened just in the Me Too movement and George Floyd, like there's a major things and those are all in the last five years, right? Yeah. Change, change is fast here. And that's definitely, definitely a good thing. Like an example of the Dominican Republic or the Caribbean in general, where change takes so long. Just recently, uh, the revolution in, in Cuba, the, the uprising. Cuba has been a communist country for decades. And it's, it's, it's now that we're seeing that the people are fed up, like we're tired, we want, we want, we want freedom. So it's, it's, it's a testament that change does happen fast in America, even though we, we may not see it. In some areas. In some areas. So, Carlos, your art. Uh, we've talked a lot about you coming to terms with being sensitive and writing it out. And have you gotten any feedback from others about how it helps them come to terms with it? Or is that a goal of it? That's definitely a goal. Uh, I feel like people letting me know how they come to terms with it is more of like a personal thing. That'd be great if, if they tell me that the book did that for them. But I don't expect them to uh, to tell me that. 
what I do uh, hope for is that it does like help them see see that. And even though I say that I wrote the book uh, for everyone, I do wish that men actually read the book and just be comfortable in like, hey, if like if you really like this person, if you really like this girl, if you really like this man, like it's okay to feel that and like put it out there. It's good. Like you should feel good about what you feel. And being, and that's something I've been vulnerable is something that I've been trying to slowly try to open up myself more for. And I feel like the book, even more than the music, has been what's what's helped me. So I do hope for that when men or women read the book, they feel more comfortable and get into terms with that, with how they feel. How do you define, you've said it at least twice, maybe three times now, vulnerability. How do you define it? It's by letting yourself get hurt and by letting yourself feel the pain of showing the side of you who you don't want people to see, at least at the moment. Uh, it was hard for me writing about a story. Like there's a, there's, a, there's a chapter in my first book, The Bohemian's Volume 1, where I detail how I lost weight because I practically fell in love with a girl, basically. And I said, I put it to myself like, hey, if I can lose weight and show her through my actions, not just through my words that I really like this girl, then maybe there's a chance for me. And that's what I did. And at least through that, I, I figured that even if she rejected me, at least I found them within myself to put it out there and, and be vulnerable to the point where if she did reject me, uh, it's okay. It's okay. At least I did it. And now now the world knows. And I went through this transformative experience to the point where now I'm a different person. So, yeah. What was that transformative experience that like the the feelings, the, the emotions of I've got this situation. I don't want anybody to know about it. I'm going to put it in a book. And I'm going to publish it. And now it's out there. It was that. It was definitely that. Uh, but like, what was that? What was that circle of feeling? And what was that transformative experience that you ultimately gained? I want to say it was uh, the physical one, of course, of like going from 60, 60 pounds heavier to 60 pounds lighter. But also just feeling like there's a weight off your shoulder emotionally where you can now be free to say how you really feel without feeling bad about it or without the, how would you say it, the expectation of something happening, whether good or bad. Once you let go of what you think so it's supposed to happen or what you hope happens and you just be I feel that was the transformative experience. And it manifested almost, like I said before, both both physically and emotionally, because as I was losing weight, because of me wanting to impress this woman, I just found it within myself that, oh, now I actually have the confidence of doing certain things that I wasn't doing before. Uh, now I can actually approach different people and say, hey, I like how you look. Uh, where do you get those? Where do you get that shirt? Maybe it'll look good on me. That was that was something I wouldn't uh, have asked a person before. That was 
maybe now now I was seeing myself in situations where I wasn't before. When I go to the gym, I was I'm very uh, very uh, close. I like to keep to myself. But when I see someone doing a good job, like hitting that last rep, I'll be like, hey, man, that was good. Good job. That's good, man. Keep it going. I would have never done that. So that's definitely that transformative experience. Manifested itself physically, but also emotionally. And I just needed to put that on a, on a, on a book, in a, in, a, in a story. And that's how, that's how that came about. At least that that's chapter. Really cool. <laughs> no, that's really cool. As you say that, I think about my relationship with my wife and like hard moments. Whereas one of our friend, one of Keith and I's friends, his one of his things he tries to do, and I've since tried this, and I think kind of fits in here is like in that moment where the thing is said, there's always this tug of like, this is what I need to say, but I don't want to because either A, that means I'm wrong, or B, I could get hurt because they may not agree or they may respond this way or that way. But the way you just put that, just let it like losing that expectation and just being, do you have any, do you have any tips for how you got to, how you got that? How you became okay with just being like that, that specific part. I feel it's almost that you just have to trust, like trust the process, trust the progress or in, in the case of, of a relationship trust the other person that just be we came to this point because you love me as a person so having that expectation of what i want you to be or what i want you to do it's just an obstacle in the simple fact that love is there and we love each other so just be and let me say what i have to say listen to me and then We'll figure out the rest because once you put an expectation, once you put, oh, this is what needs to happen. When things don't happen the way they're supposed to, you're going to feel very shitty. <laughs> Trust me. Uh, there's things where I want things to happen the way I really want it to go. And eventually when they don't go that way, it's just a, a sea of horrible emotions, man. It's, it's bad. So I've learned in in my 25 years of life hopefully there's like 75 more <laughs> that you just gotta be yourself and 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 just trust trust and have faith in in the process whether you're if you're religious uh trust trust god if, if if you're not trust the universe uh whatever you're into just trust that what is going to happen it's happening maybe not for a reason but for a good reason that you just gotta be optimistic and just be. That's 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 how I like to to see things. I guess that was a really long tip, but hopefully it helped. <laughs> no, it's good because it ties back to rapid fire. Um, when we asked you, one of the questions is, "What are you interested in right now?" And you said moving to New York, but you also said maybe, and there was like some reluctance in your in your answer. So what is that reluctant? Like in, in this current environment, am I picking up the reluctance correctly? We'll start there. Definitely. Yes. There's definitely a reluctance. So to going to you know, since we're talking about, like, I think this is a fascinating, like real life moment when we talk a lot with people about just being in, in, 
And we get that in most, but what we don't often get is those moments where it is harder to do, right? Because we talk reflectively, we talk about past and we talk about our journeys and all those things, but you're in one of those moments. Um, So what is that struggle for you? So they're in me. I feel there's a moment in time where you feel like you got to do something right. And you feel like it's the right step to take that step. Say for example, Oh, I'm going to get a promotion at work. Uh, should I, should I say yes and and take the next step and have these new responsibilities? That's something that's, uh, that's transformative. But in my case of moving to New York, I think my reluctancy that, that, that maybe in that, in that answer is because there's things that I feel if I move to New York, they're going to end. So say, for example, my, uh, my relationship with my parents, with my dad, I won't be seeing him too much once I move to New York. Uh, the friends that I have here in Connecticut, I won't be seeing them that much. But also in a, in a more deep personal level, it's almost that New York looks to be like the trophy at the end of the road. And it ties back all the way to what I said about not having expectations. So I'm still trying to move away and just be and just let things happen. But there's that human humanity in, in, in all of us, not to the, to the humanity that we spoke to before, but to the flaws within us as humans that we always try to put, try to make that goal, that pinpoint at the end of the map. We always trying to, we're always trying to do that. And New York has become almost like, like, uh, like the, the final boss battle in a video game for me. Like it's, 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 it's one step at a time, one step at a time. And it looks like New York is going to be that thing. But the maybe is always there. Like maybe it's, it's not New York. Maybe it's a few more years in Connecticut and then New York. Maybe it's Miami. Maybe it's Los Angeles. Maybe it's Colorado. You, you don't know. I don't know. But I want it to be New York. My expectation shouldn't be that it's supposed to be New York. And I'm still struggling with that to just take away those expectations and just be, but that's, that's what I want. And also what I don't want. So it's, it's interesting. No, I appreciate I mean, I appreciate you digging in that. Like, I mean, we can go, we'll go a little further, but I do appreciate that the vulnerability of it because big decisions like that have, all kinds of things. Now, how long you been? How long has have you been thinking New York? And then, how long have you been thinking I can go? It's just a matter of when. So I've been thinking about it since I want to say early 2019. So like February 2019. And the point where I'm where I am at, I can go, is now. Like I can literally go now. I can move now. Like financially speaking, I I can sustain myself. Uh, job wise, getting a new job, that's mainly the like the hardest thing. It's just trying to find that career where I'm not going to New York just because I want to go to New York. I want to go to New York because I want to expand my career. I want to keep growing as a person, as a leader, as a professional, and finding that that career over there. It's it's very important. So there's things that need to fall in place before I can go, but I can definitely go go now and 
and just, I guess, be in New York. But I feel like that's not fulfilling. And to my point of success, going to New York just to achieve that goal of I went to New York, it's not, it's not success. At least, what at does least New not York for me. Give you, what does New York give you? Opportunities. That's what I see New York as. What kind of opportunities? Here in Connecticut, at least for my for my goals, as in my music, my books, the connections that you get to that you get to meet. I wouldn't have met you guys if I hadn't met uh, John and Maria, who are in Nashville, and that's just crazy to think that there's, or maybe I haven't looked good enough here in Connecticut that I haven't found those type of people here. So being in New York, being in Nashville, being in LA, being in Miami, where that creativity, that those type of people are there to get to meet those type of people. That's what I'm looking for. The opportunity to just keep growing. And I feel like that those opportunities is where, where those places are, basically. Do you want music to be that career? Absolutely not. <laughs> no, no, absolutely nice. not. <laughs> So, so I was debating if I'm going to ask Keith. So you said I'm looking for that career and that expanding leadership and, and, and growth. This is my own bias and my own stereotypes of an artist, but like, I don't hear many artists say that use those words specifically because typically it's just like, no, my art is my thing. So that you asked that question, Keith, it's like you were in my head. So <laughs> oh, what is that yeah, thing? Twin for brain, you? bro. Yeah. See, I, I see my art, like my music, especially my music, as an extension of me. I don't see that as me. Like, Loneless is not Carlos. That's just a persona. That's just a storytelling medium that I use to tell certain types of stories. Like the type of the type of music and the type of stories I tell through my music. It's a completely 180 from the stories I put on my book. Completely. Like, Loneless is this party-going guy. He's uh, the playboy guy. Uh, the type of music you see at the club and people twerking and all that stuff. That's Loneless. My shaky, book is shaky. Yes, shaky. <laughs> my book is not, more, no, not an extension, but a part of me. Because, like, if you cut one arm of Loneless, you're, of Carlos, you're cutting uh, a book, the book. Loneless is basically the phone that the hand is holding, basically. So that career-wise is just me, uh, I want to say as a writer, maybe, as a writer, as a marketer, uh, as a, a guy in the creative field, uh, whatever that means, that that ends up with, say, for example, if I end up being a writer for Warner Brothers or a digital marketing manager for Sony or or any of those big creative companies, that's where I see the career path going. The music is just uh, a part of the, of, the, of, of the journey, I guess, in helping me achieve those goals. So before we go deeper into that, because there's more questions there, I, I, I want to get this in so we don't forget. Loneless. What what is loneless to you, and what's the story behind that? It's almost like uh, like Eminem, Slim Shady type of thing, kind of. So loneless. So it used to be it used to be two words, lone less. So I was struggling in the beginning when I started making music to like find a name uh, to to use because 
Initially, I started making music as Carlos Rosario and putting music out on iTunes and Spotify as Carlos Rosario. But I don't know, it just didn't feel right to me to be putting the type of music I was making with my name because I knew that that's not me. <laughs> uh, even though I love making those type of music, it's just not the type of music that represents who I am as a person. But it does represent who I am as an artist, which is completely, it's weird to uh, to explain, but it makes sense in my head. Mm -hmm. Oh, don't worry. We're going to ask about duality in a moment. Wow. <laughs> we, we don't have a lot of time to go into duality. <laughs> <laughs> but eventually, uh, alone represents being alone. So I always mm -hmm. make music alone. I feel like, at least when it comes to making beats, because I'm a producer first, then an artist as a singer. Uh, I, when it comes to making instrumentals and beats, I work best by myself. But then when it comes to making a song, uh, I love the creative teamwork process, the engineer, the writer. I like to be in that in that mentality. So that where the that's where loan comes from, the loan producer. And then Les is the last three letters of Gonzalez, loan Les. Then the reason it came together was because when I finally decided to trademark the name, I did this in Dominican Republic because it's cheaper over, over there. Uh, they made a mistake. They put the whole thing together. So I'm like, no, no. I was so mad that they made this it's mistake always, that they, they didn't include the space. Such a simple reason. I know. So I'm like, damn. poetic. Right? <laughs> <laughs> nope. Government that's, messed that's it the up. That's the reason. The government <laughs> messed it up. The government messed it up. So I didn't want to go back and like do an amendment and like take because it's like politics and government over there just takes too long so i just like f it leave it like leave, leave it that way i'm loneless all together now and i don't know i like i kind of like it now all together like that and i think this is you're such a great example of of what we try to present on this show is that you know there are so many biases and assumptions that we all make towards other people to simplify our processing and at the end of the day, getting to know people, like you really, like this would never have expected that, right? Like you just released an EP and you're talking about going to New York. Like, oh, so you're probably going to New York so you can get your music career popping. And really, oh, it turns out, nope, just wanna, uh, there are opportunities there to build a career. Like that, and I think there's, that's such a, you're such a great example of the depths and dynamics of, all of us. And I just appreciate you coming on the show, man, and, and talking about that and being vulnerable and sharing with us. And it's great to get to know you and, and just, yeah, thanks for, thanks for being here. Thank you. Well, I really appreciate it guys. Uh, this, this was extremely fun to do. And no, I like, I like to talk. I love to talk, especially when it's, and when it's like people like you that really want to hear what I, what I have to say. So thank you for having me. And I really hope we could do this soon, sometime again in the future. Before you ask the final question, I do want to yeah. ask, where can people find you? Well, they can find me on Instagram at Carlos Rosario G for me. But if they want, if they want the music side, uh, at LoneLess or LoneLess.com. Uh, so kind of at the beginning when you were talking about smiling and, and getting into or getting through difficult conversations, you kind of answered at least in my mind, because I'm sitting there like, oh man, like that's, you want to, you want to come work with us and do some consulting. Uh, but the, the last question is what does compassion mean to you? Compassion means to put yourself in the other person's shoes and just understand and be 
see yourself be you in them, basically. Have compassion, have compassion towards others. Uh, be humble, be humble. And it, it almost ties back to uh, being respectful, like treat yourself like you want to be treated, but it's, it takes it to a little, uh, it takes it to another level of being, not only treat them as you want to be treated, but see yourself in that person as you see yourself in others. So just that is, that is compassion to me. Just to picture yourself in the shoes of other people and try to envision what they are feeling or going through. Because trust me, like we're all different people and, we're, and, we're, and we all have different experiences. But at the end of the day, we all want the same thing. I feel like we all want the same thing. And that is to achieve what we want to achieve and to have fun and, and enjoy life. And it can be hard sometimes to try to understand that, especially when we don't know uh, what others are going through. But if you're going through something and you know it's hard and you know it's hurting you and you know that you want to achieve something and it's taking so long for it to happen or something like that, believe it, like somebody else is going through that too, for real. So that's compassion. Just understanding and understanding that, that what you're feeling, someone else is feeling too. And just be nice, I guess. Be nice to that person. Thank you.